I invite you to please rise for the call to worship. The call to worship this morning is from Psalm 55, starting at verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. But you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction. Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father, how wonderful you are. How gracious, how merciful, how just, how holy. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, we pray that in the power of the Holy Spirit, you would grow us, guard us, guide us in the faith, and that we would give you all glory, praise, and honor, now and forevermore. In Christ's glorious name, amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I invite you to sing with me number 230. Holy, holy, holy. Number 230. time of confession pardon I'm going to be reading from Exodus 20 I'll first be reading verses 12 through 21 leading us in a prayer of confession and pronouncing the pardon 
and forgiveness that is found in Jesus Christ our Lord. Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder, and the flashes of lightning, and the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. And said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Father, you truly are holy, holy, holy. All that is righteous, all that is perfect, all that is good, all that is true. Oh, Father, how wonderful you are. Oh, Father, again, we come before you to humble ourselves before you, to acknowledge our sin in light of the forgiveness Grace and mercy you display for those who are in your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom his Spirit dwells. So, Father, again, we we take this time to confess to you in our hearts and our minds those sins of thought, word, and action over this last week. We confess these to you now. Exodus 20, verse 20. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, and that you may not sin. The people stood far off, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Know this, that if you trust and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... If you have been given the gifts of repentance and faith, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, know this, that you are forgiven. You have been justified. You have been adopted. And because of the righteousness of Christ, you can boldly come before the throne of grace. In Christ's glorious name, amen. For a time of confession of faith, we are continuing to go through the cans of Dort, the fifth main point of doctrine, speaking of perseverance of the saints. This morning, I invite you to read along with me Article 11. Article 11. Meanwhile, Scripture testifies 
that believers have to contend in this life with various doubts of the flesh, and that under severe temptation, they do not always experience this full assurance of faith and certainty of perseverance. But God, the Father of all comfort, does not let them be tempted beyond what they can bear. But with the temptation, he also provides a way out. And by the Holy Spirit, revives in them the assurance of their perseverance. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you. Your son made clear that in this world we will have tribulation. But your son, Jesus Christ, has overcome the world. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the victory that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. That through his death on the cross, satisfying your holy just wrath, he has won victory over sin, over death, over the devil. He has made us right with you. Oh, Father, how wonderful, how glorious. Father, we thank you that in this victory of your Son, Jesus Christ, we can have freedom. Oh, Father, we pray that you would grow us in freedom, that we would live in freedom under the authority of your word. As slaves to your Son, Jesus Christ, as our good and holy master. So, Father, we pray that you would grow us, grow us in gratitude, grow us in thanksgiving, grow us in holiness. Oh, Father, we pray that you would grow our hunger and desire for your word, to read your word, to study your word, to meditate on your word, to be in the preaching and teaching of your word. Oh, Father, we pray that you would grow our hunger and desire, that you'd grow our understanding through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would, that you would fix our eyes on your Son, Jesus Christ, on things above. Help us, O Lord. So many distractions and hindrances, so much idolatry throughout this world, this culture that we're in. Father, we pray that you would remind us that we are pilgrims, sojourners passing through, that this is not our home. And Father, for all the time that you have us here as ministers of reconciliation, we pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us to shine the light of your Son, Jesus Christ, to proclaim the gospel, to lift up your word. O oh, Father, we pray that you continue to, to use us for your purposes, to grow us ever closer to you. O oh, Father, we do pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ throughout the world facing tremendous persecution, imprisonment, martyrdom for the faith. Oh, Father, we pray that you'd be with our brothers and sisters, that you'd strengthen them, be their peace in the midst of turmoil and tribulation. Oh, Father, we do continue to pray for Reverend Mihai Korese, the missionary we, we helped to support in Romania. Father, we pray that you continue to be with him and his family, be with his church. We thank you, O Lord, as the church continues to grow, to reach out to the lost, to lift up and proclaim the gospel of your son, Jesus Christ, crucified. Oh, Father, we pray that you would strengthen us, that you'd help our church to be in unity, one heart, one mind, striving side by side for the gospel. Oh, Father, we pray that your word would be our authority and that you'd grow us in the truth. Oh, Father, we pray that you would help us grow us in the truth, for it is only in the truth that we are set free. Father, we do pray for those who are in positions of power and authority over us. Oh, Father, we pray for our president and his administration. We pray for our governor, local county commissioners, leaders. Oh, Father, we pray for wisdom. We pray for guidance. We pray for, for laws to be made and enacted and enforced that, 
that give you glory, that are in alignment with your word. Oh, Father, we pray that you would help us just to continue to shining the light in the midst of the darkness. Father, we do continue to pray for those who are in a time of need, a time of difficulty. Father, we do continue to pray for Chuck and Lola. We pray for, for them. We continue to lift up their granddaughter, Arlette. Oh, Father, we pray that she would come to know your peace, your truth, the freedom in your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for her from this transition out of the hospital back to home. Oh, Father, we pray that she would know your gospel. Father, we do continue to pray for Marcia as she continues to advance in dementia. Father, we pray that she would know your peace, your comfort, your word. Father, we pray that you would just continue to hold her in your righteous right hand. Father, we do continue to pray for Deborah. Oh, Father, we pray for healing, for strength, that you would be her comfort, her peace, that you draw her ever closer to you throughout this time of difficulty. Father, we do continue to look to you. Oh, Father, we pray for wisdom and guidance. And Father, we pray for the lost. Oh, Father, we pray for those family members, friends, co-workers, people you brought into our lives that do not believe, that do not have faith. Oh, Father, we cry out that you would bring them from death to life according to your purpose and plan. So, Father, we pray that you would do what only you can do. Give them eyes to see and ears to hear. New hearts to believe, minds to understand. Help us, O oh Lord, to lift up your word, to lift up your truth. Oh, Father, it is because of the good news of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we say the prayer that our Savior tossed to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, I invite you to please rise for our passage of scripture. We continue going through 1 Thessalonians. This morning, we are looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 11. First Thessalonians 5, starting at verse 4. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light. Children of the day, we are not of the night or of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word gives life. It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Oh, Father, we're absolutely dependent on the Holy Spirit to grow us in wisdom and discernment. Father, your word is all authoritative, all sufficient, inerrant, and infallible. 
Oh, Father, we cry out that you would grow us in the truth so that we would think, speak, and act in the freedom that is only found in your Son, Jesus Christ. In Christ's glorious name, amen. You may be seated. At this time, I'd like to invite any children who would like to for the children's message. I invite you to come up to the front row. Well, good morning. It's getting darker and darker. Have you noticed that? Yeah, every night you lose less and less light. It's dark and dark and dark until the mid of winter when it's dark by around 4.30. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever been lost in the dark? Whether it be in your house or in a room or outside or something where it's really dark and you're kind of stumbling around? Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, I've experienced that. So you're grateful for a flashlight or for light or some way to see where you're going. Well, the passage of scripture we're looking at today speaks about those who are in Jesus Christ. Those who are in Jesus Christ, they are guided by the light, the truth, the love of Christ. And it talks about being people of the light. So that's my hope and prayer as we go through this passage of scripture that you would just just grow an understanding of what it is to, to trust and believe in Christ, that, that he is the light who will lead you and guide you in what is true and what is right. So let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, the life. Oh, Father, we pray that you would help us to believe and trust in your son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You guys get back to your seat. So we're continuing in 1 Thessalonians 5. I want to read again verses 1 through 3 because verse 1 Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 all the way to verse 11 is one fuller, complete unit. I broke it up into two to focus in on verses 1 through 3 last week and the rest this week. But I want to start at verse 1. I want to read verses 1 through 3 as the introduction that takes us into our passage for this morning. So 1 Thessalonians 5, starting at verse 1. Now concerning... The times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, and now we have this contrast, the people are those who are not truly saved who are not regenerate, who are not indwelt by the Holy Spirit. These could be people who, uh, in animosity, shake their fist at God or Christianity, or they could be people attending church and in the pews. But either way, they are operating with pride and presumption, not true faith and true repentance. So that's the people. Verse 3, while people are saying... There is peace and security. But the problem with that is where they're finding their peace and security is not in Jesus Christ, is not in true repentance and faith, is not in the gospel. The peace, security that is being lifted up in verse 3 is a false peace and false security, either in presumption or hypocrisy or that one could keep living according to the ways of this world, according to the passions of their fallen flesh, they can just live for this world and still be right with God. That there won't be any consequences, any judgment, any 
repercussions for that. That's the false peace and security. And last week we we looked at that and looked at that's what the prophets warned Israel about. Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Isaiah all had sections where it talked about the false prophets would say, peace, peace. You can keep living according to your idolatry or the ways of the nations around you. And you can still be right with God. There won't be judgment. So that's what verse 3 is. That's the warning there. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come, come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So what we've been looking at in 1 Thessalonians is the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. And again, Lord willing, when we get into 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, it's, it's put in more detail. But here we see the coming of the Lord. He comes. You have all of his people gathered together. You have the judgment. You have the new heaven, new earth, all these realities of the day of the Lord. And here we see that there was only one escape from the holy, just judgment of God. And it's in the love of Christ. It's in the grace and mercy of God in Jesus Christ. When he said he is the way, the truth, the life, no one gets to the Father except through me. No one has forgiveness and, and reconciliation and justification. No one is made right with God except in his righteousness, in his holiness, through true repentance and faith. But if one is holding on to any false gospel, to their own righteousness or their own works, if anyone is holding on to any false religion or false philosophy or false system that they think that they could stand right before a holy God, there's no escape. The only escape is the gospel of Jesus Christ crucified. So that's the context now for verse 4. So getting in our passage, the Apostle Paul wants to make a sharp contrast there between the false peace and security of the hypocrite, of the presumptuous, with the true assurance and peace and security that a true believer can have in Jesus Christ. That's the contrast. So verse 4, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 4, but you, and the you there, now he's speaking about those who have true salvation, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They have been born again. They have the gifts of repentance and faith. They are saved. That's the you of verse four. But you are not in darkness, brothers. There again, we can see where the you is speaking of fellow believers. He's referring to them as brothers in Christ. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So this is a, this vitally important reality for a believer. Remember, this is what's spoken of. The Apostle Paul made this clear when he talked about in Christ, we have been transferred. So there's been a transfer of citizenship from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of light. And, now, and how that transfer takes place is because we are adopted in Jesus Christ. We go from having our father being the devil as Jesus makes clear in John 8, to having our Father being our Heavenly Father. His Father is our Father, God the Father, through the adoption that is in Jesus Christ. So we go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. That's that transfer. It's a whole new reality. And because of that, we are children of light. We are led and and guided through the power of the Holy Spirit in the word of God. The word is our authority. It is our truth. 
The Spirit grows us and guides us in the word as we grow up in the likeness of Jesus Christ. We are children of light. So we're not surprised by the darkness anymore. And we're not going to be surprised by the coming of the Lord. We will be ready. Not because we know the exact moment. That isn't how the Apostle Paul says we're ready. We're ready for the coming of the Lord because we know what pleases the Lord. He teaches that in his word. We know how to live for Christ, to live in light, to live in love, to live in the truth. And that's how we're always ready. Again, this is what Jesus taught in the Gospels. If you go to Matthew 24, this is where he goes into great detail about this reality of being awake, being sober, being in the light concerning his coming. And he gives a powerful parable here concerning this. So Matthew 24, verse 42. Again, this is Jesus teaching what Paul is teaching here. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise slave? That's what that word servant is. It's slave. So you could translate servant, but but I'm going to use slave throughout this passage. Who then is the faithful and wise slave? And that's what the Apostle Paul is describing for us in 1 Thessalonians 5, 4 through 11. The faithful and wise slave is one who is doing what God has called him, saved him, gifted him to do. With a posture of humility before God, because he has saved us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, there's nothing we can do to contribute to our salvation. God has owed us nothing except eternal conscious torment and judgment. That's all that we're owed. So salvation is a complete gracious, free gift that we could contribute nothing to. So we respond with gratitude and thanksgiving. So to be a faithful and wise servant is to be what 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 5 is, is a a child of the light, a child of the day, doing, living as Christ has called us to conduct ourselves. And then he goes further in Matthew 24, verse 45. Here's the illustration, a parable he gives. Verse 45, who then is the faithful and wise servant? Whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Verse 46, blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing When he comes. So that's it. How are we to be ready at all times for the coming of the Lord? (laughs) Be doing what he told us to do in his word. Be living for him. Out of gratitude and thanksgiving. Yes, we fall short of the glory. Yes, we continue to sin. But we continue to, to stand in a posture humbly before God. Seeking to serve him with repentance and faith. We, we're living as he calls us to live. That's what verse 46, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. 47, truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So that's what it is to be a child of the day, a child of the light. Verse 48, verse 48 is the same as those who say, peace, peace. Security, though they're not really saved. They don't really have faith. They're not really living for Christ. That's the warning of verse 48. Verse 48, but if the wicked servant says to himself, "Ah, my master is delayed 
and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with the drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the, there's the key word, the hypocrites. The hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that's what the Apostle Paul warned about in verse 3. But what we find here in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 4 through 11, is the Apostle Paul giving us a clear reality of the truth of those who are children of light, who have been saved by God's grace, and who are living for his glory as we walk humbly before the Lord. So again, verse 5 of 1 Thessalonians 5, For you are children of light, children of the day, We are not of the night or of darkness. Where the Apostle Paul goes in another great detail about this is in Ephesians. So I want to read verses 6 and 7 of 1 Thessalonians 5, and then we're going to go to Ephesians. So 1 Thessalonians 5. Verse 6, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Well, the direct parallel passage to what Paul's teaching in the church in Thessalonica is is what Paul teaches to the church in Ephesus. So if you turn to Ephesians 4, you have this section of... Ephesians chapters 4, 5, and 6. I'll just be drawing out a few verses from these that are a direct parallel and help us go deeper into what he's conveying here in our passage. So Ephesians 4, verse 17. Here's almost a direct parallel. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So this is describing someone who does not have a transformed mind, is not saved, so they, they, they don't know the things of the Lord. They, they don't believe and trust in the truth of his word. They don't have the light. They're still in darkness, in the futility of their minds. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. So again, we know that this is unconverted people because they still have hearts of stone. Remember the prophecy in Jeremiah 36, I mean Ezekiel 36, Jeremiah 31, Jeremiah 32, that when salvation comes, the old heart of stone is removed and replaced with a heart of flesh through the indwelling of the Spirit. So this is describing, again, those who in their hypocrisy or their presumption or their unbelief are not right with the Lord. That's what verses 17 and 18 depict. Again, verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity never satisfied with sin. Just continually greedy, can never fill that hole that sin remains within them. That's the greedy aspect of it. But here's the contrast, verse 20. But that is not the way you learned Christ. That is not Christ, and that is not how it is to be with those who are in Christ, in whom the Holy Spirit dwells, those who belong to Christ. Verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. There's that Romans 12, that transformed mind, that Holy Spirit transformed mind to to now know and believe and trust in Christ and in the word 
and in the scriptures, in the truth. Verse 23, again, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's it. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying in 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, that we are children of light, children of the day, no longer of the night, no longer of the darkness, no longer asleep, no longer out of our minds or intoxicated with the lies and deceptions of this world. No, we have transformed minds to know the truth, to believe the truth, and to hold on to the truth. Again, he goes further with this. If you go to chapter 5, again, Ephesians 5, verse 7, he's warning about being partners with those who are still in darkness. Ephesians 5, verse 7, therefore do not become partners with them. If you go up to verse 6, right before this, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Again, sons of this disobedience, those are those who are in darkness, but in Christ you have been set free. You've been removed from that and now belong to Christ and to your heavenly Father. Ephesians 5, verse 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. There it is. That's the same thing Paul's emphasizing in our passage of 1 Thessalonians 5. Verse 9 of Ephesians 5, for the light for the fruit of the Lord is found in all that is good and right and true. And now verses 10 and 11, this is what it is to be sober, to be awake, to walk in the light as we are pilgrims and sojourners in this fallen world. This is sanctification, verses 10 and 11, Ephesians 5. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, and here Paul quotes from Isaiah 60 verse 1, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Not only is that a beautiful verse and a beautiful depiction of what it is to be in Christ, but that is a gospel call. That is an evangelistic statement that we proclaim that in boldness to those around us. That's salvation. Until someone has true faith and repentance and, and, and trust in Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're in darkness. They're sons of disobedience. They're under God's wrath. So that's what we cry out. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. And Christ will shine upon you. That's the freedom. That's the new life. That's the joy. That's the peace. That's the hope that we have in Christ, that we have been brought out of darkness into life. And we belong to Christ. He has died for us. He has saved us. We who are in the light, who know his love and know his truth. So verse 15 of Ephesians 5, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So that is an exposition of what Paul is teaching us in 1 Thessalonians 5. Again, 1 Thessalonians 5, starting at verse 8. 
But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on. Okay. Now we understand a reality here. As long as we're in these bodies of flesh, in this heaven and earth, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. And we're in a battle, first and foremost, with our old fallen flesh. That old man that died, has been buried with Christ. But what do we keep finding ourselves doing in times of temptation and struggle? We keep digging back up the old man. The Apostle Paul uses this imagery that we have died in Christ, yet in times of sin and temptation, literally, we, we dig up our old self and strap that old, rotting, wretched flesh on our backs. That's what sin, that's how Paul describes sin, falling into it. And God is so gracious and merciful for his children. Even though we found ourselves in those times of sin, we strap that old flesh. He brings us to our senses. We throw the old man back off and we seek to live for him. And that's our sanctification process. Less digging up the old man, more living as we are in Christ again and again and again, living more according to the spirit and less according to our old flesh. That's our continued sanctification process in Christ. And it is a battle every day. It is a battle. But where our hope and our comfort, our peace is, is Christ has won the victory. So we look to him. We seek him. We, we pray, keep our eyes fixed on him and his victory over sin and death. So it's a battle. So again, verse eight, it speaks of the breastplate of faith and love. What is going to protect our hearts, our vitals is true faith and true love. We love God because he has first loved us in Jesus Christ. So that is what protects our hearts, protects our lives, our vitals in this battle is true faith. That's why Peter says in chapter one that God, not only has God given us the gift of faith, but he continues to grow us in faith and he guards us in true faith in Christ. This is this breastplate of faith and love. But not only is our hearts being protected in the midst of this battle, because Jesus said we'll have tribulation. Our flesh will continue to, we have to do battle against our old flesh, the world around us with all the lies and deceptions of the world, the devil will continue to to come against us. The world will hate us, Christ says in John 17, but his love is greater. Not only the breastplate of faith and love, but at the end of verse 8, and for a helmet, what's going to protect our minds? What is to fill our thoughts? What is to, to protect our head is the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. I thought we already were saved. Well, <laughs> you are If you believe in Christ, you've been justified, you're saved. But there is a part of salvation that you do not have yet. And you won't have until Christ comes back. And that's your new resurrection bodies. That's to be with all the people of God gathered together before the Lord in the new heaven, new earth, your new resurrection bodies. We don't have that yet. So what will protect our minds through the constant onslaught of lies and deceptions and sin all around us in the world around us is this helmet that our hope is fixed on Jesus Christ. Not on this earth. Not on the things of this earth. Remember Jesus warned, if you try to save your earthly life, you will lose it. But if you lose this earthly life, living according to the, 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 the sin and darkness of the world, if you, if you lose that, if you, if, you, if you forsake that, 
because the treasure you have in Christ is greater than anything this world has to offer, then you, you gain your life. That's the hope of salvation. That's the hope in Christ. When we find ourselves at times in sin and, and struggle, it's a lot of the times for me, it's because I, I've, I've lost focus of my hope being on Christ. And I've, I've on, in some ways placed my hope on the things that perish of this world. And all that does is I just find myself bludgeoned and bloodied stumbling about until the Lord again says, what are you doing? Where's your eyes? Where's your heart? Where's your mind? It has to be fixed on Christ. Oh, hallelujah. It's that hope of salvation. Again, that's Ephesians 6. You see where the Apostle Paul does Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. This is this full exposition of what he's giving us in our passage. So again, that's Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, starting at verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert. That's what he's saying in our First Thessalonians 5. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That's why you have all the one another commands in the New Testament. Because we're not only doing battle against our old flesh, but we are seeking to encourage and support one another because we're all in this battle with Christ as our head. We are the body. He is the head and the church. We are in this battle. But we know Christ has won the victory. So we're called to live in that victory. So that's where I'm very thankful for verse 9. Because you get verses 1 through 8, and at some point you're like, oh, will I make it? Well, hallelujah, there's verse 9. Yeah, you will. You will make it, not because of your great wisdom or your amazing strength or your amazing power. <laughs> no. You make it because God says you're going to make it. Because of his power and his wisdom and his strength. Hallelujah for verse 9. So verse 9 for God has not destined. Wow, there's the word. This is God's sovereign predestination will. For God has not destined us for wrath. That's it. He has not destined us for wrath. If we are in Jesus Christ, that means he has died for us on the cross. And everyone whom Christ died for on the cross, the Holy Spirit will make alive and his righteousness will be given to them and his holiness will be credited to them and they will belong to him and no one, nothing can take us out of the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're in Christ, you've been destined for eternal life. You've been destined to live forever with him. You've been destined to be glorified with the glory of Christ at his return. That's what you've been destined. Again, verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, everything's through Jesus Christ, by 
Jesus Christ for Jesus Christ. Verse 10, who died for us. That's your hope. That's your comfort. That's your peace. That's your security. That's your everything. That's what it is to be made alive, to trust and believe and understand the gospel, is that singular reality when you truly understand and believe that while I was a sinner, while I hated God, Christ died for me. Christ died for me. While I was a sinner, while I hated God, while all I deserved was God's eternal punishment, was eternal conscious torment, was I was bound for hell. And Christ died for me. That's my peace. That's my security. That's my hope. That's my love. That's why I'm a child of the light. That's why I'm a child of the day. That's why I have hope of salvation. That's why I have faith. Again, verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake and now this is a different use of awake and asleep than what he's been using. He's mixing his metaphor here so that whether we are awake, now he's talking about still alive at his coming, or asleep, meaning have died and are with him before his return, so that whether we are awake, still alive, or asleep, having died and are with him, we might live with him. Verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. That's it. That's it. That's why we need the church. That's why we need brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we need to be in worship. That's why we need to be in Bible study. That's why we need to be walking alongside one another in the faith because we are in a battle. Yes, Christ has won the victory. Yes, we have eternal life in him. And we're in a battle. So we need to encourage one another. Correct, rebuke, exhort one another, build each other up, forgive one another, love one another. We we need one another. That's why Christ created the church. That's why the church is his body. We need one another. And that's where the Apostle Paul focuses their hope and encouragement is that Christ has died for them and we encourage one another in that reality. One of the best scriptures that that encourages me with that reality that God has not destined us who are in Christ for wrath is Philippians 1. Philippians 1 verse 6. Beautiful verse. This is one to memorize right on your wall. Embroider, cross stitch, whatever you do. Weld, whatever your gift and ability. Burn in the wood. This is a verse that you need to know. This is a very important verse. Philippians 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this. There it is. There's full assurance. You are, ah, you know this is true. This is true. You hold on to this. This is your assurance. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That's it. 
That's your hope and strength, your peace and encouragement. And that's what you trust. And that's why it's important to know God. My life is full of projects, hobbies, the beginnings of things that are far from completion. Just ask my wife about the flooring that I haven't finished in three years in our hallway. So my life is full of uncompleted realities. I repent, I confess. This is the reality of my life. I am not God, and God is not like us. Isn't that good news? God is not a man. God is perfect. He will bring to completion what he has begun. And that's how we walk in the light with that assurance and that peace that God has not destined us for wrath. Christ has died for us and we have life in him. Let us pray. Oh, Father, how amazing is your grace, mercy, and love. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you will bring to completion what you have began for us in your son, Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, we thank you. We are weak, but you are strong. Father, we thank you. In Christ's glorious name, amen. Well, I invite you to please rise and sing with me number 343. What wondrous love is this, O my soul.
Let us receive the benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I invite you to close with me with the Gloria Patria.